You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Great news. So, our album is completed. Woo! Uh, the name of it is Come Alive in Us, and it has Life Church written all over it. And I'm a little biased, but I think it sounds pretty sweet. So, you're going to hear this pretty soon. We have an album release date by Easter. Right, Pastor Bill? Yes. By Easter, you will have this. Uh, it'll be available online for stream and download. Uh, it looks like we're also going to have some albums uh, in CD form, for those of you who still know what a CD is. And it's going to be great. So keep an eye out for that. Now, the uh, discipleship class. Oh, yeah, that's it. Remember that, please. Sure. Okay. More good news. There's a discipleship class coming up. Uh, you remember some of the ones that we've done so far going through the Old Testament covenants. Uh, we did uh, Discipleship 101 for Life Church. Well, there's a third one coming up. It's called American Idols. And Christina and I will be teaching a class on American values and how we can get caught up in idolatry. This is a really um, serious study for us. I know we're working hard at it, trying to figure out what is it about America that is so wonderful and yet so dangerous. And so if, if you have been confused this last year about America and uh, what we need to be aware of culturally to keep an eye out for, um, this is going to be the series for that. Five-week series starting the last Sunday in February going through March, and we would love it if all of you were there. It's going to be after church uh, for about an hour and a half each Sunday for five Sundays in a row. You are most welcome to join us. We're very excited about this. It'll start on uh, February 26th, I believe, is the, is the start Sunday, and goes through March 26th. And we will be providing you a light lunch here. We'll have a light lunch available. So we'll end the service. We'll go right into a little lunch time, and then we'll turn it over to Nathan and Christina, and they'll bless you with some really great teaching, okay? So please, please plan to be at that. If you're planning to come and you know that you're coming pretty much consistently for that. We would love to know that uh, from you, and we will have a sign-up sheet next Sunday. So you look at your schedule, talk to everybody, figure out what you're going to do, and if you're inviting friends, and we encourage this, that you would invite friends uh, from the community in. We're actually inviting another church to join us to do this as well. Um, so if you're bringing friends and they're committed to coming, would you please sign their names up as well so we have a good sense of how many people we're going to be needing to take care of on those Sundays, especially uh, for food preparation and that sort of thing. Okay, so please, please uh, help us as much as you can with that. All right, we're going to just tag Jen Ross and she's going to come right up and... Uh, All right, good morning. Uh, last week I mentioned that we are starting our third year of having prayer partners for our kids. We ask somebody to commit to pray for a child in our church every, once a week for this coming year. You're a secret prayer partner, so the kids don't know who is praying for them, but they know someone in the church has made a commitment to pray for them. I need 14 more people to get all of our kids covered, so after church today, come see me. You draw a name, there's a guide in here of things you can pray over our kids, and you learn their name, their age, the school they go to, and their parents' name, and we ask that you pray for them once a week through the year. So help us make sure every one of our kids is covered in prayer this year. Thanks. Perfect. Uh, one other announcement here. We have Life Lunch coming up February 5th, 
And uh, the people group or the, or the country that we're going to be praying for actually is Brazil. So you get to Google and uh, check out crock pot dishes from Brazil and uh, figure out what you can bring. Uh, they have great food in Brazil, all over Brazil. So you can go north, south, east, west, central Brazil. It's a huge, huge country. And uh, the dishes differ from different regions around that country. But you can go anywhere in Brazil, all right, and find your dish. Uh, and you'll want to participate in February because in March, we will actually be in the class with Nathan and Christina. So we'll have a regular light lunch that, that is in the routine there. So we won't actually have a, a, a life lunch fellowship in the month of March. So you want to make sure you get in on the one in February because you won't get one again until April. All right. So please, please plan to be a part of that as well. Okay. Those are our announcements. We will hear the word of the Lord. the Gospel of John, chapter 4, 19 through 26. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Thank you, Susan. This particular discipline this morning that we're talking about, worship, um, is really, I think, simple in a lot of ways, but probably one of the most important pieces to this whole of the spiritual disciplines. And um, I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on it this morning, so I hope you are going to do what we're hoping you've been doing all along, and that is taking these disciplines and taking the small piece that we bring to you each Sunday and then exploring them further, doing more research on your own and, and sort of developing your own style of, of the discipline. Um, these are What we're bringing you is just a, a little piece of what you can have through these disciplines. And so really want to encourage you that you're taking all of them and you're really working with them and making the application in your life. So given what we've been through already, and for those of you who are visitors, these are the various disciplines that we've, we've gone through with the intent that they're all drawing us near to God, all right? And obviously worship is intended to do that. Um, but this morning, let's look for just a few minutes at what worship uh, is in the scriptures, all right? What, what, is, what does the scripture say to us about worship? And um, I want to take you for just a moment to that moment when Jesus was being tempted by Satan and, uh, and he was offered uh, all of this that he could have uh, based on if he would bow down uh, to the enemy. And what Jesus said to him was, you need to go away, Satan. And he said, be gone, all right? Go away, be gone. And he says this, it's written. In other words, this is what is in the word. This is what is truth, all right? 
It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And that's sort of where we want to start with this particular discipline, all right? We are called to worship God. We're called not only to worship God, but to worship only God, all right? And, and we will not have any other God before us. And yet you and I know, don't we, that we struggle with our own idols. I'm so excited about this series that's going to be coming up for discipleship. And we all have struggles. We all have these places in our heart where we've given to something other than God. We've displaced God and replaced Him with something else in our lives. Or we have created a God that is not the God to worship, and that is our idol. And I want to call us back, if you will, all of us together, that we are exploring what it means for us to worship God. Now, I'm not talking so much in the context of corporate worship like we are in today. But what I'm saying to you is that worship, if you will, is a place where you are giving God glory through, through your attitudes and through your actions. And, and it's very easily identified corporately. Like we come together, we sing songs, we pray prayers. Uh, on some Sundays we take communion, we have special things that happen from time to time, we baptize people, we take people into covenant membership, we do all these kinds of things, and, and that is our corporate worship. And that's very identifiable. If someone asks you, well, what are the components of worship? You, that's probably what you would start with. But I'm saying to you, I believe that you and I need to have a personal place of worship that is set aside where we are disciplined to centering ourselves and focusing only on God to give Him glory. And that there is nothing else in the way of that. See, I, I believe from Scripture that worship as a Christian, it is imperative uh, if we are aiming to be like Jesus. It, it's what Christ says the Father is seeking in this passage from John. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we do get in touch with our emotions. We do get in touch with our feelings. We, we, we enjoy this experience with God, but we do that set in the parameters of truth. And that truth needs to inform us of our worship. But the key here is that every dimension of us worships God. That we, we bring every aspect of our lives into this place of where we take a, a, a segment of time and we center ourselves on God and we focus on God alone. Because Mark 12, 30 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, every dimension of your life is brought into this experience of worshiping God, centering on Him, adoring Him, praising Him, giving thanks to Him. Kind of bouncing off that particular passage, Richard Foster, uh, he points out the difference between worship and service. Now, I talked to you about, uh, what, two, three Sundays ago about, about service, serving, service, that sort of thing. Foster says in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, he says, if the Lord is to be Lord, worship must have priority 
in our lives. The divine priority is worship first, service second. How many of you will stand and identify with me when I say, I struggle with this. I am really into serving. I really want to serve. And those of us who, who really embrace the, the, the missional aspect of church, we, we will call that our worship. That is our, that's my act of worship. That's what I do. I serve. I want to serve God. I worship Him in serving. But you cannot fully serve in the way that you really need to be able to serve Him freely unless you have worshipped Him. And so I think we need to take heart what, what Foster is trying to say to, say to us here. He, only, he goes on and he says this. He says, our lives are to be punctuated with praise and thanksgiving and adoration. Then he says this remarkable statement, and I would put an exclamation point at the end of it. Service flows out of worship. You can serve, but it's only going to be function. It's only going to be performing. It's only going to be doing. It's going to have ritual to it unless there is worship at the, at the, at the forefront of it. Service, listen to this, service as a substitute for worship is idolatry. And we need to really check our hearts. Do we do what we do for God because we love God? Or because we're trying to get God to love us? And the reality is if what we're doing is to get anything We've got a wrong motive here. We serve out of this revelation of the greatness of God, who he is and what he has done, and knowing full well that he already loves us. And so we don't have to earn it. We don't have to try to barter for it or trade out for it. That's a very seedy and earthy kind of love, and it's not really love at all. And so we don't want to find ourselves falling into those kinds of places and being captured by those kinds of motives. But rather, we surrender ourselves to this great God who has loved us so deeply that He has rescued us out of sin and given us eternal life. But Foster goes a little further. He not only adheres to this idea that service is a... Is, if it, if it is a substitute for worship, it's idolatry. But he also says, activity is the enemy of adoration. Let me say that one again for you. Activity is the enemy of adoration. Now, I, I must confess, this is a place where I find myself very convicted. My cell phone, my laptop, my to-do list, the one on paper, the one in my head. My, th these things are the most powerful means of drawing me away from centering and focusing on God. Now, let me ask you something. I mean, we all do it in the corporate setting, and I know you do it because I hear your phones go off. All right, so I know you got them. Okay. All right. All right. You say, no, you, don't, you didn't hear mine. I, I didn't have mine on. Yeah, you did. It was vibrating. 
I think the Holy Spirit gets in every once in a while because the, the vibrations sort of start to have some sense of rhythm to them. It makes me want to preach different, you know? But seriously, how many times have you promised God, hey, I'm going to take some time today, God, and it's going to be yours? Or you promised yourself, I'm going to give God some time today. I, I, this is a good day. I've got, I've got a schedule that can work. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little bit of time here and I'm just going to focus on God. And, and be, before you're in there, hardly, your phone goes off or you open your laptop, you know, just because you just felt like you just needed to do that or whatever. But suddenly you are not focused. You are not centered anymore. It has pulled you away. Or you're looking at that to-do list. Listen, when I am intentional to do a little window of time, a personal worship, where I center on God and I get away from everything, I can't do that at my desk. You can't do it at the kitchen counter. You can't, you can't do it in the garage where your tools are. All right? Because you're not going to center. You're going to move away. Those things are loud. They are powerful. They shout at you and they pull you in. And they take you away from the very thing that God wants to do. And that is to have your full and undivided attention focused on him so that you are ministering to the Lord. And so I find oftentimes that, that I have a lack of discipline in taking captive every thought that sets itself up against God because I'm always conscious that my phone is there. How many of you look at, you just look at your phone, you know? It doesn't matter if you're driving down the road. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at a desk. It doesn't matter if you're in the kitchen cooking. It doesn't matter where you're at. You will, from time to time, look at your phone. We just look at our phone, whether we're expecting a call or not. I mean, it's not like you're thinking, oh, the doctor's about to call and he's going to give me some, some diagnosis or my best friend from, from, who's over in Africa in missionary work, this is going to be the time they're going to call, so I need to be aware. No, I'm just talking about you just randomly just walk by, pick up your phone and look at it just to see. We're all guilty of this, just about it, you know? Because something has our attention. Something is moving us away from getting that focus where it needs to be, all right? Now, everything that can lead me away from being present to God, everything that can cause me to wander away from Him, all of it is so accessible it's just there you know it's close pastor dave and i we uh, most of you know we pray together one day a week and then we have a day where we sit and we we really just wait on the lord and, and kind of talk through things uh asking the holy spirit to give us insight and give us direction uh and you know we, one day we, we pray, and it's about a four-hour segment or so, and another day we spend just, you know, with the Lord and with each other just talking and, and seeking direction, and that's about a four-hour period. So about eight hours a week, you know, and, and, and it's Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings that we do this. Okay, so that's the best time we have together, all right, to do that. You know, Monday, we can have a Monday and nobody calls. Nobody stops by. Nobody needs a visit. We start to feel insecure. <laughs> Nobody needs us. Till Tuesday morning. 
when it's time to pray. I have people who will call me. It's you, all right? Some of you. You call me. Can I meet with you? Are you text me? Or you send me an email. Can I meet with you? Could we meet either Tuesday or Thursday morning? Guess what you say? And I'm like, do they not know? Well, of course you don't know. I, but now I've told you. I've I, 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 I exposed it, okay? But, but we would we get this, and it's like, why those two times? Why not Wednesday afternoon? I'm totally free. Is that coincidence? I don't think it always is. I think there's an enemy in our lives who loves to set us up to where we have to battle these competing factors in our lives. And unless we are willing to set the proper boundaries and, and negotiate our schedule in such a way, we will forfeit the worship of our living God. This is a discipline. This is something that requires you to be intentional. This requires you to look at your schedule for the week and say, okay, God, where are you and I going to fit in here? And make that a priority. Make that a first point of the week so that there is this intentional effort on your part and you follow through so that you experience this kind of time with God. You say, I don't know what that is, Pastor. I don't know how to do that. I'm not wired that way. I, I, I understand that, I get that, but you'll, you'll never figure it out if you don't be intentional and you don't start to do that. None of these disciplines are just going to open up first shot and you're going like, to be fluid with them and they're all just going to happen and be dynamic. They're disciplines, come on. All right, so it, it's going to require you and I to spend some time figuring them out and working with them and, and making the necessary applications and tweaking those things so that we get to that place where the disciplines are very powerful in our lives. Now, let's try to define this particular discipline just a little bit more. When we worship the Lord, we engage Him with this very intentional reverence. We say, we are going to revere you and nothing else, okay? When we worship the Lord, we concentrate our lives on this only one supreme being, the living God. And that is so challenging because we are living in this age that, that I, I, I'm, I'm confident that Nathan and Christina are going like, to expose to you, an age that is very ripe with idolatry and, and, and very ripe with this compulsive need to place things and, and concepts and attitudes and, and uh, people at the altar of our heart. And folks, only Christ belongs there, no other. Worship needs to be, please, please hear me. I'm not trying at all to be legalistic in this, yet I fully believe this, and so I say it to you. I believe that worship needs to be a daily part of our lives. If there is one of the disciplines that you are going to make daily a part of your life, it needs to be worship. There needs to be a place, even if it's a small amount of time, where you center on God and you block everything else out, and you say, okay, for a few minutes, I'm, just gonna, I'm going to just ponder you. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to dwell on you. I'm going to just be before you. I, I want to just 
try to cultivate this sense of the vastness of God, the greatness of God, the goodness of God. And in that, I believe that eventually you will begin to experience things like an inordinate amount of gratitude, an unbelievable amount of thanksgiving, a sense of purpose, a sense of destiny. It'll, it'll come upon you. It'll, it'll start to work up through you, if you will, all right? And that will happen in a lot of different ways. Prayer is one of the ways that that will, will happen. As you pray, you experience and encounter intimacy with God. But in prayer, you can be you. And prayer can even be about you. But in worship, you get to forget about you. You get to recenter, and so your thoughts are on God and on His greatness. And so in worship, you diminish. And the reality for a lot of us is that sometimes our problems need to diminish a little bit. The enemy loves to make stuff bigger than it is. And God wants to recalibrate constantly so that everything is put in the proper perspective and has the proper value and weighs out accurately in our lives. And so his intent is to balance everything out. He can only do that if you come to him and you get this revelation and this understanding of him. You need to pray. You need to have a prayer list. You need to have petitions. You need to have requests of God. This is, this is not being selfish in any way. This is the right place to go. When you have needs, take them to God. Start there. But in worship, you move away from you and your, what you need and what you want and what you desire and all of those things, and you focus in on who God is. Adele Calhoun says this about worship. She says, worship happens whenever we intentionally cherish God. I love that. When I intentionally cherish God. Okay, so let's ask the question. Think about it. When was the last time that you intentionally cherished God? This is what I hear from people. People who have used this word. I love the word cherish. Okay, but people have used the word... I hear, I hear these kinds of phrases. I cherish my alone time. I cherish my husband. I cherish my wife. I cherish when I get to just get away from everything I know. I'm not so sure that I have ever actually audibly heard anyone say, I cherish God. I'm not saying you don't. But this is not our regular day-to-day -day vocabulary. When we're talking to one another, when we're interacting with one another, when we're offering exchanges with one another, we don't do a lot of, well, I'm going to tell you about me and God. But we talk about our day, we talk about our relationships, we talk about our ambitions and our goals, we talk about the things that came around, we talk about the foolish things, we talk about the weird things, we talk about all these different kinds of things. And even in a moment when we're saying goodbye, I had, had lunch with a friend, and we were in a restaurant, and uh, there was some type of meeting there, and all of these ladies started coming in. We were the only one, we did a late lunch, like a 2 p.m. lunch, and he just wanted to talk, and I said, okay, let's go uh, and, and do that. And um, so they set us in sort of the pub area, and I think it was like, 
it wasn't a happy hour because it was two, but I think that was like coming or something, you know? And, and so suddenly all of these ladies just start rolling in. And so he and I are sitting there and there's just like all of these ladies around us, you know? And, and I, I watched as they were coming and going. And you ladies are just so like affectionate. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Not like that, but I'm a hugger. Okay, so I get it. You know, but, but these ladies are coming in, it's like they haven't seen each other for years, you know, and they're just l- hugging, and they're so excited to see each other, and, and when they're leaving, they're doing the same kind of thing, you know, and they're, they're getting up from one table and saying, I'll be right back, and they're going, ah, hi, you know, and they're just doing this thing, you know, and I'm like, I, I'm like, Barry, look at this, this is crazy, I like, I want to leave, okay, <laughs> this is, this feels different to me, I, I, I like, if I'm going to sit in a pub, I want a manly, manly pub, you know, <laughs> I want it to be a little dark and smell like a cigar, okay? Uh, then I feel like a man, okay? And so I, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, look at these ladies, and they're just all like, like close to each other and intimate with each other. But do we cherish time with God? You know, we get together and we do all this stuff, but are we making that time for God? For Him to feel some of that place in us that needs intimacy, that needs relationship. Worship, this is, I'm back to Adele Calhoun again, okay? Worship reveals what is important to us. What are you worshiping in your life? What are you giving great time and attention to? What do you think about when you get up in the morning that drives you during the day? What do you think about before you go to bed at night that you think really satisfied you in your day? All right? What, what about God captures you, folks? What about God stands out to you? And are you, are you mindful of these things? Let me piggyback on Pastor Dave's message from last Sunday for a moment, and I just want to show you how these disciplines kind of work together here. Um, The disciplined Christian is able to slow down in life by cultivating the discipline of simplicity, which is what Pastor Dave spoke about last week and did such a great job. You see, seeking the kingdom of God first is, it ultimately causes you and I as believers to cast aside the things that are not holy. To, to move those things out of the way, so to speak. So there's a clear pathway to God. In other words, we can get to Him quickly. We're able to get up and get get close to God very quickly because we've moved these other things, if you will, out of the way. And and the simplicity of life can help us to do that. And so when we cast aside the things that are are not holy, we're able to, to break bondages in our lives. And as we open that that avenue that way to God as we clear the highway to the Lord so to speak all right as we open the gates of our hearts and we open ourselves to God then we're able to pray right 
And we can, we can fast and, 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 and clear the clutter out of our lives and those kinds of things. And so then we're ready to come in to worship. And because we've been in the Word, we understand the truth of who God is. Here's a sad commentary for us as Christians. A lot of times we can't really worship effectively because we don't know why we worship God. Because we don't know who He is. We don't have a good revelation based on truth of Scripture as to who God is, much less what He has done. And so I challenge, if you want to be a person of worship, worship Him not only in spirit, but in truth, in the truth of His Word, the truth of who He is. See, the pursuit of wealth and power are the antithesis of the kingdom that Jesus models to us. Jesus is not really interested in what you get. He wants very much to have your heart. But if you're focused on getting what you can get, your heart is probably not open to the call of God. And here's what I believe. I believe if you will open your heart to the call of God, you will hear God call you. Let me tell you, let me give you a sad illustration to, to explain this to you. I'm prone to be a workaholic. I'm prone to be a person who goes in early and stays late. I'm prone to spend a lot more, an inordinate amount of time doing the things that I want to do to get things accomplished. And sometimes that's to the disadvantage the disadvantage of my family, of them having time with me. And sometimes I'll be in a group, and when, when my kids were little, I, I, I would talk to people, and my kids would, they would be by my leg, and they would be hitting me or something, you know, and I'd, I'd take their hand while I'm talking to somebody and just hold them or whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm wrestling them around and trying to keep a conversation going. I'd rather like an idiot, you know, because I, I still want, I wanted to finish my thought or I wanted to talk to this person or I wanted to get something accomplished, you know, and so I'm holding them. And I remember one of my children on one, one occasion, they were like, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm oblivious because I'm focused. Dad, Dad. Pastor Bill, what? <laughs> you laugh, but I was convicted. But I wonder how often is God saying, Paul, Christina, Andrew, Justin, Jim, Jan, Aaron, Jack. we don't hear it because we have all of this loud clutter in our lives that we're focused on and we miss the voice of God. How do we worship? Well, let me give you a few things to take with you this morning. I would ask you to start to focus on and respond to God with your whole being. Get, get everything else out of the way. Respond to God with, with this loving and willful obedience. 
So, so we, we clear out the clutter. We get rid of those things that will get in the way of spending some quality time with God. That may mean you leaving the house, or that may mean you stepping out of the office, or that, that may mean you uh, allotting a time on your day timer or your planner where you say, this absolutely is going to be the place. Years ago, when I was in the corporate world, the company that I worked for, uh, they required us as middle management people to have what they call protected time. We had to give in a certain amount of time on our schedule, our work schedule, to the secretary at the front uh, of the building. And those allotted times, she took all calls, she intercepted all messages, she dealt with all people that were wanting to deal with us, and that protected time was not touched by anyone, not even the president, CEO of the company. And the idea was you're going to have this window of time every week where you are able to so focus on what you are responsible for. And I would ask you to do that with the Lord. Establish a protected time. A time when the phone can't have you. The laptop can't have you. The to-do list can't have you. Family and friends can't have you. Only God gets you. You are His. You draw near to God. He will draw near to you. That's a promise. So respond to God with this loving and very willful obedience. I mean, God says, if, if you love me, you will obey me. And let's, let's start there. And, and then I, I believe we're going to talk about Sabbath another Sunday, the, I, the concept of Sabbath as a spiritual discipline. We're going to talk about that because I think that's more than what some people think of when they, they think of Sabbath, they think of corporate worship. Uh, but I think corporate worship is a part of this discipline, in, in a sense, and a part of Sabbath as well. But I think you do need a time of corporate worship where you come together like we are today, and we have this time together. So I think that needs to be a dimension because we learn about God and we learn how to worship God and we learn how to center on, on God even in the corporate setting together, all right? So it's a good thing for us to do. So I think you need regular engagement with your community. We together need to do this for the purpose of corporate worship. But I believe then you need to move beyond that and you need to establish this time that is protected where you and you alone, all right? And I'm not talking about you and two friends. But the Bible says where three or more are gathered in his name, he is there. I understand that. But he wants time with you, and you need time with him. And you need to cultivate that kind of intimacy with God because it will help you to be satisfied with a level of intimacy that will keep you out of wrong places. Seek the kingdom of God first. Say it again. Seek the kingdom of God first. All right, make sure that the kingdom is ahead of you. But then I would say, not only seek the kingdom of God first, seek the God of the kingdom first. Put God above everything, including his kingdom. All right, know him personally. All right, so I, I want to kind of close this out now here this morning. And what I want to do is I want to give you a claim to identity, all right? I want to identify you based on Scripture, on God's Word. And if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, there are some identifiers of you in that particular passage of Scripture. 
And they're all powerful. And, and I, I, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to preach you a message just from 1 Peter 2.9 in, in, in maybe even in the near future. But I want to I focus on one of those. It says there, you, meaning you the believer, all right, you and I as believers, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession for a purpose, and that is that we may proclaim, in particular, the excellencies of him, Christ, who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But the one that I want to focus on here for, for today, for this purpose, is you are a royal priesthood. That means that you and I are the New Testament priest. Men and women. We are all the priesthood of believers. All right, We are all priestly in that sense. So we are the priesthood of God. He has called us into this identity. Now, to understand the purpose of that identity, we need to go back into the book of Ezekiel, I think, to Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 15. And here is a place where there are some rules being sort of laid out for the Levitical priest of the Old Testament. So this is the priesthood in the Old Testament, and it says in verse 15, but the Levitical priest, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the people of Israel went astray from me, listen to this, they shall come near to me. In other words, they will draw near to me, to minister to me. It doesn't say to minister to the Israelites. It doesn't say minister to the stranger and the sojourner. It doesn't say to minister to one another. They will minister to me. There is a dimension of you that God has created only for himself and for no one else. And that dimension he wants and desires and is jealous for because it is for him. And so God wants you as a priest in the kingdom to come to him and to minister to him, to love him, to adore him, to praise him, to worship him, to magnify him, to obey him. God wants this. So he says of the Old Testament priests, they shall stand before me to offer me the sacrifice, declares the Lord, the, 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 the fat and the blood. God wants very much for you to stand before him. I don't necessarily mean that in a literal sense. If you worship better sitting, then sit. If you worship better lying before him, lie before him. If you come back to me and you say, well, I, I worship best lying before the Lord, but I just always fall asleep. I'm going to tell you, well, then that is not the best way. All right? Get up and stand, or if you have to, get on a treadmill. I mean, I... Find the place where you can most focus on God. So I'll leave you with this. This is how we embrace this particular discipline. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. Therefore then, given what God has done for us through his son Jesus Christ, therefore, let us be grateful. 
grateful. In the message of simplicity, Pastor Dave brought out this sense of godly contentment, which is for us a great gain, being able to be content with what God has for us and getting some of that other stuff out of the way and simplifying. But he says, let us be grateful for what we have, for receiving a kingdom, if you will. All right, we are the, we are the priests of this kingdom. We've received this kingdom. We're the priests of this kingdom. Let's be grateful for receiving a kingdom Look what it says. That cannot be shaken. We are established in the kingdom of God. You're not established in the world or the world order. Let me tell you, no one's feeling very established in America right now. We're so divided. There's so much confusion. There's so much misunderstanding. There's so much turmoil. There's so much debate. There's so much anger. There's so much resentment. I'm going to stop because I'm sounding like Trump. Um, there's so much, though, that, that can shake us here, okay? But we are of a kingdom that is different. We have to live out of that kingdom. We have to function out of that kingdom. We have to worship out of that kingdom. So thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Let's figure it out, guys. Let's, let's start to understand what is acceptable to God in worship and bring that to Him in reverence and awe, knowing that this God we're drawing to is a God that is like a consuming fire. Let's not be afraid of Him, but let's fear Him. Let's awe and reverence this God and come to Him in worship. And let's not wait till Sunday morning for someone to try to lead us there. But let's make that time available to him that we are worshiping, that we are disciplined to give him that worship that will recalibrate us constantly so that we are able to loosen ourselves from the clutter of this life and to be faithful to our almighty God. Amen? Amen. There's a starting place for all of this. There's a place where we begin so that we can enter into this relationship with the Lord. Jeannie, would you join me up here? I'd love for Jeannie to come right now. And would you just listen for a few moments and let Jeannie just walk you through the gospel. Let her talk to you for a minute of this starting place. If you've not ever started, this is the beginning place right here to enter that place of the Holy of Holies. All right, Jeannie. Truly, that is the beautiful act of worship, is to surrender yourself to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you've not done that, that is just what I want to share with you today, that you would come before him and surrender yourself. Even Jesus, it says in Matthew 26, 30, that, that after, the, after the Lord's Supper, after he served his disciples, they sang a hymn. They worshiped God. Jesus worshiped God, his Father, before he went to the garden, knowing what was going to take place. And that ultimate act of worship that he did, dying for us, dying for our sins, putting himself in the place of us on that cross, and then being buried. And on the third day, rose again 
He died and he lives for us. An ultimate sacrifice of worship. I'd like to invite the prayer team up. And if you find yourself in that place where you've truly not surrendered yourself to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, our prayer team will be up here to pray with you. Also, if you have any other needs, if there's areas in your life that you're struggling with, even if in that finding that quiet time to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, because his word also says that he created us to worship him. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the great and glorious God that we desire to worship wholeheartedly with every part of our being, Lord. And we just ask that you would speak to our hearts, Father, in those areas where we find distraction, where we find those things that are keeping us from fully worshiping you without distraction, without interruption. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us in your word what it looks like to praise you, to honor you, to thank you wholeheartedly. Not only in our quiet time, Lord, but in our daily walk, Father. What that looks like to serve you, to serve your son, Jesus. To walk in the truth of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Father, for how you are moving and touching each one of us today. And as we go forth from this place today, Lord God, let us be a fragrant offering to you of worship, of praise, of thanksgiving in all we do. We thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made for each one of us so that we may truly enter in to the throne room, worshiping God the Father, celebrating all of the gifts he has given us, and particularly the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord, for all that you have blessed us with, for your love and your favor that washes over us like a great and glorious river of your hope, of your peace, of your mercy, of your grace. And all these things, Heavenly Father, can come only from you. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.